and welcome to A Rainbow in the Clouds. I'm your host, Elaine Marie Sharp, a certified color therapist and founder of Aura House School of Color and Light. Well, just when you thought our lives couldn't get more challenging, thousands of angry Americans have taken to the streets, some burning buildings and setting police cars ablaze. Is it a volcanic eruption from pandemic frustrations or a deep-seated anger that is generations old? In this episode, I will talk about racial injustice in the U.S. You'll learn about the color red and the colors you can use to express yourself and to feel safe. And in our last segment, I will introduce you to a rainbow maker whose earth mother heart is wide open. All that plus grounding and color breathing coming up next. Let's begin with a rainbow crystal grounding meditation. Okay, so let's take three deep breaths and call in your deities, your angels, and your spirit guides for love and protection. Now, pick up your clear quartz crystal and Hold it in your left hand, which is the hand that you use to receive energy. And look closely at your quartz crystal. Notice all of its lines and cracks and chips and rainbows. Do you see the red, the orange? the yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Now notice how you feel as you're holding the crystal. Are you feeling anxious, calm, Place your crystal on your heart and breathe in peace. Breathe out peace. Feeling a wave of calm and comforting, beautiful white light containing all the colors of the rainbow.
Now place your crystal on your heart and breathe in peace. Breathe out peace. Feeling a calm and comforting wave of beautiful white light containing all the colors of the rainbow. Flowing through your heart and throughout your body. Breathe in peace. Breathe out peace. Breathe in peace. Breathe out peace. Now, move your quartz crystal down to your root chakra, which is located at the base of your spine, and imagine that there is a long red cord attached to your root chakra, and see that cord going down, down, down into the floor and into the ground, going deeper and deeper, and deeper, until you see that the cord is connected to a giant clear quartz crystal in the middle of the earth. Now think or say aloud, I am grounded with the courage of red. I am secure with red. So now that you're grounded, let's do some blue sky color breathing. Close your eyes and think of the clearest blue sky that you can imagine. A gorgeous, gorgeous blue color. And each time that you see a cloud, whether it's white or dark, think of this cloud as your thoughts, your anxiety, your grief, your anger, but don't dwell on the clouds. Just notice them. Just notice them as they slowly drift by. And as you imagine the sky in your mind, breathe in that brilliant sky blue. And breathe out the blue. Breathe in the blue. Breathe out the blue. Wherever you are and whenever you want to clear and calm your mind, 
Remember this blue sky color breathing. It's a great tool and nobody knows you're using it. Now that you're grounded and relaxed, here are my thoughts for today. Until recently, I never paid much attention to the original name of the state that I have lived in for 30 years. Officially, it's the state of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations, settled in 1636 by religious leader Roger Williams. Because of that inflammatory plantations word, I wouldn't be surprised if there is an attempt to shorten our name to Rhode Island in November 2020. The Black Lives Matter movement has changed everything. When I was very young, I was taught to say colored people instead of Negro. That was the polite word for the black race, I was told. In our house, we never used that other N-word, the hateful one, for fear of having our mouths washed out with soap, but I did hear it on the playground, sometimes as a rhyme. But whenever I needed to count something, I always used the eeny, meeny, miny, mo catch a piggy by the toe version. As a military brat who had lived in Europe with black Americans as my friends and schoolmates, bigotry just didn't register. Regardless of our skin color and our hometowns, We were all just Americans in a foreign land, united in our desires to return to the States. If there was racism at my schools, I never saw it. One day in St. Louis in 1974, I was stabbed in an attempted rape by a black man. I'll never know if the police ever captured the assailant, but I do remember the words of my uncle when he picked me up from the hospital. See what I mean? A black man did this to you. Are you going to still defend them? Hmm. I knew what he meant by them. We had argued about them before, and no, I did not hate black people just because I was assaulted one time by a black man. It could have easily been a white man, I told my uncle. Many years later, I worked for a black syndicated television show in Washington, D.C., I was proud to be the only white person on staff to be included and recognized as an ally. I felt no prejudice towards my fellow co-workers, nor did I feel they treated me differently because I was white. We were a team. Currently in the United States, there are two colors at war. Nationwide protests have arisen because of the multitude of injustices towards the black race, by the blue uniform police forces. We have seen the red flags of warning for many years, and as a result, thousands have banded together with Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe signs to protest centuries of inhumane treatment toward black Americans. One of the black protesters said he just wanted to be free and not have to think about every step I take because at the end of the day, being black is a crime. I've had many black friends and co-workers over the years, but I don't recall ever asking how they felt about being black. 
to me, it would have been as ludicrous as someone asking me how it felt to be white. Friends, the end of slavery in the United States was officially proclaimed by Abraham Lincoln in 1863. And now, here we are, nearly 200 years later, at a historic turning point. At this moment, real changes are being made by corporations and individuals supporting the Black Lives Matter revolution. The racial stereotype of Aunt Jemima is being retired, and Uncle Ben and Mrs. Butterworth may be next. Did you hear that the Band-Aid Company has committed to creating a line of racially diverse bandages to match different skin tones? I mean, who could have predicted that? I read an article where one of the people interviewed said that white people who say they care should widen their social circle with people of color. I applaud that idea, but the plain and awful truth is, I don't know any black people anymore. There are no black people in my neighborhood. Does that make me a racist? No, I didn't plan that. It wasn't deliberate. But here's what I have done deliberately. I have walked to the other side of the street when I saw a black man approaching. More than once. More than twice. Okay, a lot. I have told stories like this. A black man was shopping at the supermarket when he met his black wife. Well, maybe it's because I'm a writer and I'm used to being descriptive, but isn't distinguishing a person's color a form of racism? Because if the characters happen to be white, I rarely mention it. And if somebody tells me they saw on the news that the, that same supermarket was robbed, I might ask, was it a black guy that did it? Yeah, I might. So here I am, a 64-year-old white woman, a spiritual woman, who has been disillusioned to think she didn't have a prejudiced bone in her body. Well, I may not be a hate-filled, white, hood-wearing racist, but I surely have said some racist things, and I'm, I'm owning it. I'm owning it, and I am ashamed. I should know better, especially since I believe that words can hurt us just as much as those sticks and stones. I have heard that it isn't the job of black people to educate white people about racism. So, as a white person who wishes to be better, I have embraced the color energy of yellow to educate myself. I have spent the past few weeks watching countless interviews and reading documents about slavery and racism including the story of the origins of the Ku Klux Klan and the founding of the Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia. What I have learned has been enlightening and often disturbing. But see, I am not too old to learn. I am not too old to listen to a different viewpoint, nor to speak up whenever I hear racism being expressed. Last week, I spent some time in a forum where it was announced that a private group would be established for people of color only. I was stunned. 
While I certainly have no issue with people of color having their own private group, I did question the way the organization handled the matter. They made their big announcement and added that white people need not apply because it wasn't for them. I feel strongly that in order to unify and heal, we need open discussion about racism with no race excluded. And I said so. Well, you can probably guess what happened. Despite my good intentions, I was immediately attacked in the forum. Many believed the group was a great idea because people of color needed a private, safe place to talk about their lives without white people horning in on the discussion. Others felt this was a form of segregation and discrimination against white people. And that outcry was supported by some people of color, too. The forum thread quickly became a hotbed of anger and accusations, mostly against white privilege. And even though I had only posted once and wholeheartedly disagreed with most of what was being said, I felt my job was to listen, and so I kept silent, watching and learning. And here's the irony. What developed was a lengthy general discussion about racism with no race excluded. Many of us are seeing red right now because we can no longer abide racial injustice. But what we see is the hot and angry side of the color red, the symbol of revolution and the blood that has been spilled much too often in the name of law enforcement. All colors have a positive and a negative connotation, and I've noticed four colors have exposed their darker side during our country's current uprising. Those colors are red, white, black, and blue. From a spiritual standpoint, the color red has many wonderful attributes like courage and grounding and stability. We need those qualities for survival, especially if we are out on the streets protesting and demanding change during a pandemic. If you go by the depictions in books and movies, White is the color of purity, peace, ascension, and all that is well and good in this world. But there is a negative side to white, the side that is cold and vacant, uncaring, and aloof. Melanophobia is a fear of the color black. Due to its hidden nature, the ultimate message of black is fear, fear of death, fear of evil. Black is the color of shadows, depression, and drama. In its most positive form, though, black is a comforting color. It allows you to go within like a protective womb. Speaking of protection, some people believe the color white can protect us from the color black. But the surprising truth is that black itself is worn for protection. And then we see the color blue. In its truest form, blue promotes integrity, trust. 
This peaceful color helps our mental health, and it opens the channels of communication. But all of these wonderful attributes can be tainted when there is a deficiency in blue, and when that happens, a person is depressed and silent, not willing to speak up for their truth. Do you know what extinguishes a blazing red fire? Of course you do. It's water. And when we think of the color of water, it's blue. And that is what I believe we need during times of intensity. When we have reached our absolute boiling point, we need to remove ourselves from the heat and cool off. You know the blue sky breathing meditation we do at the beginning of each show? That is a perfect example of the calming power of blue. I may not be perfect, but here's what I know for sure. I did not choose my race nor my circumstances, but I can step up. I am not too old to donate to organizations like Black Lives Matter, Black to the Future, Color of Change, Live Free USA, and The Conscious Kid. And I am certainly not too old to vote for the visionaries who will work towards positive change. The author James Baldwin said, Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. For me, talking and writing about racism has been very uncomfortable. But it is an ugly open sore that has continued to ooze and fester, and we can no longer ignore it. It is time we did some deep color healing and value each other as equals. Rainbow makers are positive people who have weathered the storm with flying colors and a can-do attitude. And today's guest is Jenny Rose Fenimore, author of Loving Outside the Lines, Lessons from an Earth Angel. Jenny Rose is a spirit-led weaver of words, sharer of light, bearer of joy, lover of life, holder of hope, and carrier of rainbow rays. She lives with her adopted son, Charlie, in their sacred sanctuary near magnificent Mount Shasta in Northern California. An earth angel blessed with Down syndrome, Charlie was adopted by Jannie Rose and her husband, George, in 1993. Jannie Rose gratefully assists Charlie's calling as one of God's special messengers by sharing his inspirational musings with the world. Jenny Rose, you call yourself a carrier of rainbow rays, and I have seen the rainbow headshots that prove that. You are one walking, talking rainbow. When did you begin carrying the rainbow, and what is your colorful mission? Well, I think it's something that I, that's been a part of me for so long that I, I can't really tell you when it started. I think it came with me. Um, just, you know, as a, as a child. And uh, it became more obvious to me when I started doing healing work, um, probably about 30 years ago. Um, I started to see 
like when I was working with people, I would see the different, different colors come in during a healing session. It wasn't anything I intentionally called in, but they just were always there like helpers. And, um, one time, I love this so much, I've told this story many times, I asked God, I said, what, what do you look like? And uh, the answer that I heard in my heart was dancing rainbow light. And that was a perfect answer for me. And it just was delight, delightful to me to hear that. And so that's why just I almost pass out from joy whenever I get to see a rainbow or whenever I see even fabric with all the different colors on it. Um, it really reaches me deeply. And, you know, to me, that's a big part of uh, source and how I experience it. So, As an interfaith minister, a Reiki and sound healer, how do you use color when administering to your clients? Well, aside from what just comes on its own, you know, when I, when I hold the space in, in a session, when, I, when I'm present and, and open to uh, whatever spirit wants to bring in, you know, that kind of comes on its own. But I also use, uh, I've used fabrics, you know, different, uh, like silk scarves. You can buy a set of them for color therapy healing purposes and draping that, um, you know, on a certain, certain part of the body or maybe a few of them, depending on what color that they need. Um, I have some lights. They're like theatrical can lights. Um, you know yourself that uh, in Europe, I guess, color therapy has been a thing for hundreds of years. And so I have these, uh, they used to be gel uh, filters with a theatrical can light. And now they're just, I think, um, I'm not really sure what they're made of, but all different color combinations, blue, violet, violet, blue, you know, just uh, many different uh colors that I can, depending on, you know, how my guidance uh, tells me that I can focus on a certain part of the body. And so the person can get like a color bath while they're having, um, you know, while they're on the massage table and whether it's just plain energy work or it's with, uh, you know, the sound tools. Um, It's just uh, like different layers of vibrational, um, you know, healing that take place. Is there a specific color that you seem to need or enjoy more these days? These days. You know, it's funny. It all depends on which day, which day we're talking. Um, I can, and I have always had this experience, like if I were to get dressed in a hurry and not be real consciously aware of what I'm choosing, I've had experiences in the past where I got out in the world, you know, before we were relegated to the house you know when we would go here and there and I'd realized I didn't feel right at all you know like something was way off and then it occurred to me like oh my gosh I I have the wrong color it's like not what I need for the day um if I were to look in my closet um I would say just like here you know I have lots of blues and lots of reds and pink tones represented um more than anything although I love all the colors and my most favorite thing is I, I sew. So I have a piece of fabric under here. It's all different colors. And that makes me the happiest just to see, you know, a piece of fabric or a garment or something that has, you know, all colors of the rainbow in it. That just makes me really happy. And, and it feels good. So for me, color is like medicine. It's, uh, 
it's been a big part of my, uh, or, or vitamins, you know, it's like a supplement. Yes. Well, I'm looking at your very colorful rainbow shirt with all the beautiful colored feathers. And I guess you're feeling really happy right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had such, I'm having a great time, you know, sharing with you. So it's, that's just a, a super happy thing. And I'm, I'm loving it. Well, I enjoyed reading your book, Loving Outside the Lines. And as I've already mentioned to you, you owe me a box of Kleenex because it was so emotional. And I've also told you that I have never, ever read a book written with so much love. So kudos to you, Jenny Rose. I don't know how you managed it, but it's really wonderful. You have said that living with Charlie teaches you about the everyday miracles that are born when we embrace life in the spirit of love. Can you give us an example of this? Gosh, yeah, there's so many. I mean, all day long, you know, and um, I should probably just say in our family, uh, you know, we adopted him and he had Down syndrome. They knew that at birth. And for us, that was a great thing. We didn't see it as as a problem. We just thought it was like an added extra bonus, you know, like kind of a cool thing. So uh, he fits right into our family. But um, gosh, I mean, every single day, he's kind of like living with your guardian angel in a body, in a human suit. And uh, he comes with that energy. And it's such a comfort. And um, the most recent thing that I can say is, you know, we're, we're taking care of my elderly father, who's not well, I mean, he's in the last part of his life. Um, and sometimes, you know, my dad, my dad's got a lot of stuff that comes up that's, that's painful. He, you know, born in the 1920s. I mean, those folks didn't talk about the kind of stuff we're talking about. They just sort of tried to kind of put it away, you know, when there was a hard thing or, you know, pain or something from experiences. And so occasionally something like that bursts out for him, for my dad, and uh, he reacts. And Charlie will just look at me silently, like if we're sitting around the dinner table, he'll look at me silently and he'll go, he'll pat his heart. And he's trying to tell me he understands you know, the granddad, that isn't really granddad, that granddad's hurting. And so he's got that subtle kind of, you know, quiet wisdom where he's able to, uh, he doesn't have like a lot of experiences like a lot of us do. I mean, a lot of us have pockets of pain here and there. He doesn't have that. He's a guy who also, if he gets angry, which he does. I mean, a lot of times people think, uh, oh, people with Down syndrome are always happy. And uh, maybe some of them, but this guy, you know, he feels. He's a feeler. If he gets sad or disappointed or, you know, disgusted, <laughs> whatever, um, angry, um, he'll stay with that. And he's like a little, he's like a little meteor burning out. You know, he'll like stay with it and be with it. And he'll need to be alone. He has alone time, he calls it. And um He'll just ride it through, you know, and then, then it just dissipates. It's completely gone. So he doesn't carry anything, which I think is unusual. And it's quite, you know, I'm impressionable. I've, 
at, at age 62, I can still say I am impressionable. And uh, to be able to see how that's done every day, you know, see how it is to be that clear and to be able to approach life from a place of love, um, you know, never like too busy to, to do something helpful, no matter how much I, I ask him to do, you know, it's just as a caregiver, I'm doing so much. So it helps me when he does little stuff and he's always pleased to be able to help. And, and that goes a long ways, you know, just to have that kind of love and that kind of caring. He calls it heartness. Heartness. <laughs> I love it. You know, I was very moved to read about one of Charlie's sleeping shirts. And in your book, you wrote, just before he closes his door, we catch a glimpse of Dr. Martin Luther King's poignant words printed on the back of his shirt. We must learn to live together as brothers and sisters or perish together as fools. Jenny Rose, does Charlie understand what's going on today with the protests? I don't think he does intellectually. I've tried to kind of, you know, I try to kind of explain things to him. And um, first of all, it's so not a part of his world that I, I almost think he looks at us, you know, like much of, much of the rest of us as being almost like, not in a condescending way, but almost like, people who don't know any better, you know, with the challenges because he's so far, <laughs> he's so far and it isn't done. Uh, you know, it's not an ego thing or, you know, like him thinking he's better than us, but he just looks at this stuff and, you know, it's not a part of his world and I don't think he understands it, but he sees that, you know, that there are things happening. Um, when he used to choose his shirts, I never got the feeling that, and it was always like if we were having an intense time in the family, you know, with, uh, you know, teenage boys, uh, or teenagers, you know, you're going to have those things. And, um, so he would just subtly kind of leave the room when he kind of like decided we were going to all be okay, you know, without him there and he'd get ready for bed and he'd either have on his praying shirt hands, you know, I'd go in and I to say good night, he'd be out gone sleeping already. And he's got his little praying hand shirt on or um, the particular, you know, the Martin Luther King quote. I don't think that's a thought process for him. I think he just feels it. He may not even know what that says on the back. Honestly, I don't know if he's ever seen the back of that shirt. It was from a track meet. Hmm. Well, do you think he knows who Dr. King was? From um, high school history, yeah. And I've talked to him a little bit. But he doesn't retain a lot of things in his head um, as far as, you know, being able to explain. But he feels things. He's mostly a feeler. Just the way he feels with his heart. You know, he interprets with his heart and his soul. But if you asked him to explain it, he wouldn't. I mean, he's almost 27 now and, and next Friday. And, um, I, you know, as far as I know him, he, he probably wouldn't be able to explain that. It just It's just a part of him. It's a language he speaks inside. Well, I can also tell that he speaks with the language of color, too. I uh, was on your website and I looked at his heart gallery <laughs> and 
it shows some beautiful paintings. And you know what? I, I felt just better just by looking at them. You know, the way that he has incorporated the light, almost like a master. I know that Charlie has said that when I paint, I make lightful pictures of home in the stars of heaven. And it certainly looks like that to me. If you could describe Charlie as a color, which would it be? Well, he his color is always, it's not his favorite color because he's always liked green, but he sees himself as yellow light. So, um, you know, that's a big theme for him. He sees me in all different colors, but he tends to be, you know, like just like a joyful, lightful, that's another one of his words, um, yellow. And he also said that love is like bright yellow stars and heaven is our shining joy. So something tells me he does like yellow a lot. And, you know, yellow is also the color of knowledge and self-confidence and teaching. Oh, he has that. <laughs> Confident. You know, he doesn't have a lot of head knowledge, but he has, an, he has like a deep, you know, silent understanding of a lot of things. But that, not that has to do with information. But he sees my mom. She passed away a year and a half ago. And he sees her. Uh, she says, he says she looks like a yellow angel. That's how he sees her whenever she shows up. His uh, grandma looks like a yellow angel. And so it's nice that, you know, we talk to her a lot like that. So we can, we can keep her a part of our life. And she was a lady who had a lot of pain on many levels, not just physical. And so it's delightful, delightful to... Uh, to be knowing her and getting, getting to experience her beyond that, beyond the, um, the, the struggle of her human experience. That's fun. Wow. You are blessed. <laughs> but Charlie, he's also blessed to have you as a mother, I think. So, so it goes both ways. Regarding what's going on in the world these days, Jenny Rose, and for listeners who are exasperated by the violence and the pandemic that we are all enduring, what are your tips to combat the darkness? That's a big one, but I think I have answers for you. I think one of the things uh, that has really helped me a lot is my belief, which has grown over the years. You know, I didn't always have this when I was a kid, but it gets bigger all the time. It expands that there's so much more happening than we can see and that we can know. And so there's a trust that I can have in situations that look pretty difficult. I can have the trust, even though I may be going through something at the time with it, but I can also trust at the same time that there is something much bigger at work here. And um, I have a trust with that. Another one of the things is what I've already said. Um, it's really, if I had one thing that I could tell anybody, you know, whether it's people who are about to get married or, um, you know, people have, you know, having kids for the first time or just anybody is that, uh, take care of your heart. I mean, really, I, I have lived through 
you know, as a lot of us have, um, what happens if you don't, you know, in families, in relationships, in uh, communities of all kinds, uh, what happens when you don't take care of, you know, keep your own house in order. And uh, that takes courage. I, I almost believe that uh, that may be our biggest human challenge is, is to take that step. Because it's so easy to do, oh, I used to be a fixer and I'd, you know, I'd want to, uh, this is familiar, I'm sure, to a lot of people, um, that I'd, I'd want to uh, be there for other people and help make things nice for them. And, and uh, it, did, it wasn't until I started doing hospice work. I came back, I was living in Texas, and um, I came back home from my first assignment working with a hospice patient, and I felt like, wow. It felt like my life had come full circle, you know, like I'm finally doing this thing that I felt called to do. And then all of a sudden I was seeing like, wow, wait a minute, I'm sitting with a dying person. And then I realized like in one moment that a part of me was dying. And it took being in the presence of a dying person to realize that there was a part of me that was dying inside from neglect because I was unwilling to go there. I'll tell you one more thing. This usually sticks with people. Um, I'll try to make it a short one, but this is a story I've told to all my healing classes and and that, and everybody remembers it, is that um, I had a dream when we were living in the desert in Southwest Texas, and um, the dream was, uh, you know how in dreams they don't necessarily, you don't know how people get into the dream or whatever, but they're there. So, okay, there was me, and I had a baby. Now, I don't know if I had had the baby, you know, like given birth, but I was in the possession of a baby girl. She looked just like me. And at the time, I had dark hair, you know, it wasn't silver. So here was this beautiful, rosy-cheeked baby with dark hair, and I was so proud of her. That, That was the first scene. And I, you know, I did that thing that people do when they have a new baby, like uh, I wanted to show her to everybody and people would do like they do with new babies and kind of fawn all over. Oh, she's just so beautiful and all this. And then this next scene, she was a little bit more quiet. And I kind of noticed that, but then I kept going on with my busy life. And, uh, you know, and I was, you know, people were still kind of telling me how beautiful she was and what a good baby. And I was so proud. And then the third scene, she was uh, a lot quieter and she looked maybe a little pale. She wasn't moving as much. And I noted that. But then I kept on with my busy life and, you know, going through all the motions of busy life. And then the final scene in that dream was pretty stunning and sobering. She, uh, she had no color. She wasn't moving. She wasn't making any sound. And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? And the answer was, you forgot to feed the baby. And I was like, wow, okay. So I've told that to every single class I've ever taught, you know, in the last 25 years to teaching healers, you know, helping them to un- unlock their gifts. And um, I realized that was me. And that's a lot of us. It's like we're so busy feeding the stuff in the outer world that, you know, the cries inside of us that are crying just like a baby would cry because it has a need for attention and love and presence. And, you know, so often we have gotten so busy 
And even, even with noble things like being a hospice worker or a healer or a nurse or, you know, whatever, or a color therapist or whatever we do, you know, out running around saving the world. And uh, that impressed me so much. It changed my entire life. You forgot to feed the baby, though. So that was my invitation to really start, you know, really going there and looking inward and, and attending to those cries inside of me. Jenny Rose, you are a gift. No question about that. Unfortunately, our time is almost up, but I do have one more question, and that is, if there was one color that you could send as a gift to the world, which color would it be and why? Oh, boy, this is fun. Um, Okay, so because there's in your imagination anything's possible, this would be like a beautiful um, metallic gold, but it's got... That's got rainbows coming off of it. It's got all the different colors of, in a subtle way, you know, but it's like the gold and the energy of that, the gold, the healing energy of the gold and uh, with all the different colors, just almost sparkling, like radiating. And I, to me, that means, you know, remembering who we are because I think it's so easy to forget here. And I think we're having such profound invitations now with the kind of slowing down having the opportunity to look inward, you know, seeing all these things that are breaking open, you know, maybe claiming our part in that and uh, being able to really kind of settle down into that and, and remember who we are and what we're here for. And I think we've, uh, a lot of us have forgotten that, but we're having, you know, the, the opportunity of the ages, I think, to remember. I'm Elaine Marie Sharp, and you have been listening to A Rainbow in the Clouds. A big thank you to Jani Rose Fenimore for sharing her rainbow wisdom with us today. Listeners, if you would like to learn more about Jani Rose and Charlie, please visit their website at JaniRoseJoy.com. As we close this episode, here is today's tip on how you can become a rainbow blessing in someone's cloud. Using the energy of indigo, you can help them expand their intuitive gifts by teaching them meditation and the law of attraction. Or you can inspire their imagination by introducing them to your favorite science or art book. Some of the highlights from today's episode can be found in my book, Mad About Hugh, A Memoir in Living Color, which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iBooks, and Kobo. Are you afraid, angry, depressed, bored out of your mind? I am pleased to offer you a free color care package to assist you during these challenging times. Just go to the Aura House School of Color and Light website at AuraHouse.com and click the free emergency care tab at the top of the screen. Then choose what you need, whether it's a distance attunement, meditation, or workshop MP3. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be safe, be healthy, think positive thoughts. And no matter how crazy this old world gets, don't forget to stop and enjoy the pretty colors. Namaste.